Well, as you can uh, tell, and as you might have noticed, Kevin is not here this morning. Kevin and Janet, they're on a much-needed vacation, and uh, so keep them in your prayers uh, as they are away. And I say this every time, and it is true. It is an honor. It is a privilege. It is a blessing, once again, to get the opportunity to share the word, to have this opportunity. I want to thank Kevin for giving me that opportunity. It's, I do not take it lightly. I do not take it for granted the opportunity to break open the word, to share the word. As the word goes out, we hope it does not return void, and it does not return void. Amen? I love Hebrews 4.12 that says this, as we all know. The word of God is what? It is living, it is breathing, it is active, it is alive, and it is well. It is not some history book that lies dormant on a shelf that we have to dust off, that we can open up and look at facts and figures, but doesn't have any life to it. It is alive and as well. As the word says, it cuts like a surgeon's scalpel to our core. It pierces our hearts. It meets us right where we're at. That's why we can read the same scripture day in and day out, week after week, right, year after year. And on one particular given moment, we can open up the word and what happens? That word comes alive. It pops off the pages literally, right? It meets us right where we need it to meet us at that moment, right at that time. And that's what it means for the word of God to be living, breathing, and active. It equips us with all that we need. So why do I say that? Well, because I'm excited. Anytime you get a chance to open up the word of God, anytime you get a chance to unfold the word of God, and it is live and well, that is my prayer this morning, that it meets us right where we're at. That as we open our hearts up, that God will fill our hearts, each of us individually, what he has specifically for us. Amen. So this morning, I've titled the teaching Relentless. We hear that word all the time. When you think of that word, what comes to mind? The word relentless. It means we have the power, you and I, to never give up no matter the obstacle, no matter the adversity, no matter the context, the environment, to be victorious and to overcome. Think about that for a second. We have the power to never give up, no matter what adversity might face us, no matter what obstacle might face us. As believers, it is being absolutely unyielding in our what? Our faith, our hope, our obedience to God. Let that sink in for a second. Being absolutely unyielding not being swayed, not being able to be derailed, not taken off course, knock, knock this way or knock this way or push back. It is unyielding in our faith, in our hope, in our obedience to God. You and I cannot be deterred. We are determined. Nothing can knock us off course as believers when our foundation is in Christ. To run the race, to complete the task, to complete the goal that is at hand. Now, that's pretty powerful. That's amazing news. And this morning, we're going to walk out. How in the world do we apply that? How is that tangible? How do we get that deeply rooted in our hearts so that no matter what adversity we face or circumstance, whether big or small, no matter what it is, every single one of us this morning came in with something, whether it's family, whether it's friends, whether it's personal, whether it's health, whether it's our kids, whatever it might be, God gives us the power and a firm foundation to stand on so that we can be what? Relentless, unyielding in our hope, our faith, and our obedience to God. So I want to tell you a story this morning. 
couple of weeks ago, and I like telling stories, we went to Silver Dollar City, a.k.a. SDC, finally known as. And you know the train that takes you around the entire city, right? You know, it takes you around. It's like a sightseeing deal. You get to do the whole thing. And, well, Frankie, a.k.a. Frankie Fat Fingers, we call him, who was two years old, loves trains. I mean, my life basically is consumed by trains. Every single day we watch Thomas the Train. Last night I read Thomas the train books to him. So when we go to Silver Dollar City, there's no way that we can get out of riding that train around the entire park. Every time he hears the whistle, he's riding around in his stroller. He hears the woo, woo. That's what he starts doing. He goes woo, woo, and he gets real excited about it. He's, so we had to ride the train. So it was a packed day. This was a couple of weeks ago. There's hundreds of people there. And as you know, that train that goes around the entire city can hold hundreds of people. So we picked a middle spot. All seven of us took up two benches. We got on the train, and as usual, we take off. We've been on it a million times. How many of you have been on the train? You know the train, yes. You know what I'm talking about. So we take off. We're going around the, we're just sightseeing, enjoying the, the time. It's a nice little ride. Sarah and I love it. It gives us a chance to chill out. Well, we always get kettle corn. We get this big bag of kettle corn, and we dole out the cups, and we fill each kiddo's cup with kettle corn as we're going around so they can stay nourished <laughs> as we go around the park which is very important. We don't hydrate them, but we, but we do give them kettle corn. <laughs> and as you know, in the middle of this train deal, the train stops, the conductor gets off, a little makeshift camp, right? And there's a gentleman there, and they do a little slapstick comedy, little theatrical Silver Dollar City uh, play back and forth. It's at this little camp, and he's the robber. And you know the jokes. They go through the whole thing. I think I've got it memorized by now. They hold the stick up, and they say, this is a stick up. Everybody laughs. Well, at one point, he comes from the back of the train right to the front of the train. He starts in the back, and he's about a foot away from the train, right? He's a foot away from the train. He's walking down the train, and I can hear him because he's got a microphone similar to this. On, he's talking, and he's robbing the train, so to speak. So he's telling everybody, you know, pull out your coins, your whatever you might have, and, and give it to me. Well, the kiddos love this part. Because we give them a quarter, we give them a, you know, a nickel or something like that, and they love it. And the, the robber comes by, and they give them a quarter, they give them a nickel, they give them some kettle corn or something like that, usually a piece of kettle corn. And he's real excited. So I'm standing there, and not standing there, I'm sitting there just completely checked out because I've seen this a million times. And I hear the, guy, the gentleman coming, give me this, give me that. I like this, I like that. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you so much. Thank you. He's getting closer. And all of a sudden I hear, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my word, I got salt in my eyes. I got salt in my eyes. Oh my gosh, that hurts. And that is happening into the microphone at Silver Dollar City with hundreds of people. And we're all hearing this. He's yelling, oh my word, I got salt in my eyes. Oh my word, I can't see. He starts yelling, I can't see. So to my utter and complete shock, I look up and he's right in front of us. I look back and Sarah's already has dove underneath the train seat. And Lola Jane, who's six years old, takes it upon herself to take the entire filled cup of kettle corn, salty kettle corn, and unload it with all of her might and strength right into his face. And he's a foot away. He's unsuspecting, he doesn't see this coming. 
And she did not miss to the right. She did not miss to the left. It didn't go over his head like most of the time happens with a six-year-old dame. Why didn't it happen this time? I don't know. I'm still asking God. I'm questioning him. Just kidding. I'm not. But it hit him right in the face. I mean, in his eyes. So he's just going along his business. He's just having a good old time like normal every single day. He's doing this routine. And then he starts screaming, salt my eyes. Oh, my word. He jumps back and he's yelling in the mic. Oh, my gosh. There was a moment. I mean, time just froze. Time just froze. And he's right in front of me. I mean, he's two feet away right at the edge of this train. And I could see it in his eyes. There was a moment. He had to make a decision. He could either jump over that train, take out my entire family, (laughs) which I would not fault him for. And believe me, I could see in his eyes he was thinking very hard about it. Or he could do what? He could get back into character and keep going down the train along his way and get back into character. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. And I mean, my heart just stopped. You can imagine Sarah was still under the train bench and she's down there. I'm just kidding. She was not. But we're just there. I mean, and we're in shock. Thank goodness he keeps going. He gets back into character, the whole deal. And as you can imagine, we take a deep breath. We're like, well, Jane, what in the world? What are you doing? And she's devastated. She starts crying because she thought, I don't know why, you know, a six-year-old's mind. She thought at this particular moment that she was going to do something good and she was going to take out the robber. That was her, that was her mindset. That's how she was thinking. She's like, I'm going to take this couple kettle corn and when he gets right in front of me, I'm going to unload on him and take that robber out. And in turn, she almost took our entire family out, <laughs> which is unfortunate. You know, we went back the next week and that gentleman wasn't there any longer. So I think he did a little early retirement. I'm thinking there was a different guy in his place. But... Uh, Why do I tell that story? Point being, it's just a picture of thank goodness at that moment of choice where he could have taken us out or continued on his way, he decided to go on his way. And us as believers, we have a a choice. How do we respond? How do we react when we get hit with a couple kettle corn right in the face? When we are undermined, when... We face adversity and we face circumstances. We face things that we were not expecting. They're unexpected, which happens all the time. How do we respond? How do we react? Do we flee or do we fight? Do we run, hide, cower, give up immediately and pretty quickly? Or do we do what? Do we stand firm? Do we hold our ground? Do we put our stake in the ground, so to speak, and say, I know who my trust is placed in. I know who has already gone before me. I know who holds my future. I know who my foundation is on. And I'm not going to be swayed. And I'm not going to be moved. And I'm not going to be knocked over no matter the wind, the waves, no matter what might come, I'm not going to flee. And we have that choice to make. Now, there's so many heroes in the faith, right? Let's take David, for instance. I mean, we know the story, right? He's the entire Israelite army is facing a giant. Giant standing there. You've got all these warriors, right? I mean, they are, that is their claim to fame, so to speak. That's their entire lives. Their strength. They're battle savvy, so to speak. Battle hardened. All these men 
the Israelite army, the entire camp. And guess what? They see this giant and they compare themselves to the giant, don't they? They go, shoot, my arm's not quite as big as his arm. My biceps aren't quite as big as that giant's biceps right there. And they compare their own strength, right, up against that giant's. And they all flee. They had a moment there. They could decide. How do they react? How do they respond? They were just paying lip service, so to speak, to God. God, you're the God of Israel, the whole deal. But they all fled. And as we know, a teenage boy does what? David comes up. He's not big at all. He's not battle-hardened. He takes one look at the giant and he goes, listen, if God is for me, who can be against me? Now, how amazing is that? And I love this term. I love this term. I love this phrase that when we walk, you and I, in our God-given authority, all of heaven backs us up. He knew that he had a God that would equip him with every single thing that was necessary to defeat the enemy, to take down the giant in this case, and to overcome and be victorious. David was relentless, and it didn't really have anything to do with his strength or power, his slingshot, or how great he was. He knew one thing and one thing only. My foundation is in the God of this universe, and if God is for me, nobody can be against me. How amazing is that? And it's not just for David. That is for you and I today. Let's take Daniel, for instance. I love this phrase. Daniel lived in Babylon. Think about this for a second. Without Babylon living in him. Living in Babylon without Babylon living in you. It's kind of like our culture today. All the things that we have vying for our attention, coming at us, our mind. As we know, there's a spiritual battle going on. We can only see about right here, right? But there's a war being waged at all times. For our families, for our friends, for our heart, for our soul. But Daniel lived in the midst of a kind of a high society, the highest society at the time. Very educated, a lot of sages, seers, wise men. Very educated, high society, very cultured. The most cultured city of that time. Well, Daniel wasn't educated. He was a man of God. He was a guy that got up and prayed every single day. He's a guy that went after it. Nothing could deter him. He was relentless. He was unyielding. He wasn't confrontational. He just simply went about his business. And he said, hey, man, I'm not going to bow down to that idol. You just built this, the king built an idol. You got to bow down to this. He's like, no, there's one true God, and that's the only God I'm bowing down to. Right? He said, you got to stop praying. He said, no, I'm going to pray every single day just like I always have. Now, I don't know about you. But I can pay lip service to God and be like, God, I'm all in 100%. But let me tell you something. If somebody said, hey, I'm going to throw you into a lion's den, I would start to think twice. I'm going to lie to you. I'm going to be honest. I'd be like, you know what? I might bow down to that king's idol and just pretend like I'm, you know, bowing down to him. But God, I'm just pretending. You know what I mean? I try to, wouldn't we? I'd try to think of something first. But Daniel, he's like, man, I'm all in. I'm all in. Nothing is going to take me, derail me. I know what my foundation is in. And no matter what the outcome is, I have made a determination to trust in my God. And we know the story. What happens? God saves him. God rescues him. Not only does he rescue him, but God is the hand of promotion and he lifts him up to a place where he is second only to the king. Think about that for a second. He went from a lion's den to everybody trying to undermine him, take him out for his faith, 
to one of the most prominent men in the entire kingdom of Babylon. That's what it means to live in our culture without our culture living in us. That's what it means to be influencers, to influence without being influenced, to impact, to affect our sphere of influence, our neighborhoods, the people around us, all we come in contact with. You know, I say this in the first service, but it's kind of like that. How many of you have pets? Anybody have dogs? Dogs, right? Anybody have a chihuahua? I love saying that word. Anybody? Nobody? Well, we know the characteristics of a, of a chihuahua, right? They nip at your heels. They come at you full speed like they are going to take you out, right? Yapping loud, the whole deal. Bite at your ankles, bite at your feet. But what? One little flick, one little kick, one little word, and they take off, don't they? So there's this picture of the chihuahua. Such a funny word to say. If you say that over and over and over, it gets really funny. Chihuahua and a grizzly bear, right? If you've seen the movie Revenant, it's pretty amazing. That grizzly bear didn't really give up, did it? Man, it kept coming, it kept coming, it kept coming, it kept coming. You couldn't flick it off. You couldn't hit it in the face. You could try to do whatever you wanted, but it was what? It was unyielding. It was relentless. It was going to come after you no matter what. And as you and I as believers, as putting our trust and having our foundation in Jesus Christ, I don't know about you, but I don't, want to, I don't want to be the chihuahua. I don't want to just be nipping at people's heels, right, and can completely get derailed in a heartbeat. I want to be more of that characteristic of the, of the bear, fierce, just coming after it no matter what, which means going after it, knowing the future that God has for us. So it all sounds good, and we're like, okay, that's great. But where does that power come from? Where does that source come from? How do we do this? Yeah, I'll sign me up for that. I want to do this. But how does that work? How do we apply that in our lives? Well, let's talk about grace for a little bit this morning. We sing about it all the time, don't we? We sing about God's grace, his amazing grace. This is amazing grace, and yes, it is amazing. No doubt about it. What's the first thing we think about when we think about grace? What definition? What description? What's the first thing that comes to mind? Forgiveness, right? His unmerited gift. It's a free gift salvation. Thank goodness for those three things. Thank goodness for his forgiveness that wipes away every single iniquity, that washes us clean, that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. Man, he has forgiven you and I. Thank goodness for his salvation. We've died with Christ. We were raised into a new life with him an abundant, amazing, incredible life that he offers us. Thank goodness for his salvation and the unmerited gift. That means what? You and I can do nothing to earn it, can we? We can do nothing to earn the grace that God gives us. It's a free gift. But here's the thing, and I'm guilty of this myself. Many times we look over the first mention of grace in the New Testament, and it's in John 1.16. And it says, out of his fullness, out of his abundance, who's him? Out of his, out of Jesus Christ, out of his fullness, out of his abundance, we have received grace. Salvation, forgiveness, his unmerited gift, amazing. But the first thing in the New Testament is what? He has given us his fullness. What does that mean? That means we have been given the essential qualities and characteristics of Jesus Christ himself 
to live as he lived. We have been given his abundance. We have been given Jesus Christ his fullness. Grace is God's gift. Let this sink in for a second. Grace is God's gift to go beyond our ability, our natural ability. God's grace gives us the ability to go beyond our natural ability. Grace is God's free gift. That gives us the ability to go beyond our natural ability. Because it's not about our strength, is it? It's not about our might. It's not about our power. It's not about our ingenuity or how great we think we are, right? It's about his spirit and his grace that's working within us. Now, I love basketball, so I always have to put a basketball story in here. I'm watching LeBron James last night, right? Play a little playoff basketball. So let's say LeBron James comes up to me. Not LeBron, let's say his agent comes up. I'm trying out for my college basketball team, right? I have no chance of making this college basketball team. I'm just out there shooting around, just having a good time, thinking, you know, I might be able to sit the bench at the best. But somebody walks up to me and they say, Nate, hey, what do you think about if I gave you all of LeBron James' talents, his gifts? I'm going to infuse you with everything that he is on the basketball court, his basketball skills. I would say sign me up for that, right? Don't you think I would take that? And I'd have a good chance of making the college basketball team. Or what if Bill Gates came up? You're an engineer. You're a web designer. Social media marketing person. You're having some struggles. You're having a tough time doing what you're doing. Somebody comes up and says, hey, I'm going to give you all of Bill Gates' talents, all of his qualities, everything that he is. I'm gonna, there you go. What, would you take it? I think we'd take it, wouldn't we? I mean, that's a given. We'd be like, yeah, I'll take that. Or Frank Lloyd Wright. Anybody remember, remember Frank Lloyd Wright? right? You're an architect. You're trying to build a house. Somebody says, hey, I'm going to give you all of his architectural expertise. Would you take it? Yeah, you better believe we would take it. And I always like to say, God has given every single one of us, as Psalm 139 says, amazing purposes, plans, and gifts. He knew us before we were born. He knew our future. His thoughts for us were more vast than the sand on the seashore. It's it says, which is an amazing picture. But here's how I know why. Because if it was up to me to build houses, we would all still be living in tents. I mean, there is no chance that any of us would be living in houses or driving cars or anything like that. That is not my makeup. So when we know that we are empowered by grace, that we are given his fullness, guess what? We begin to believe and behave accordingly, don't we? Let me paint another picture. Let's say Christ community, let's say our, our community, our family, we're going on a mission trip this summer. And we are, the Guatemala Initiative, which is awesome. I'm hy- hypothetically speaking here, a hypothetical story. Let's say, okay, we're watching, we're watching Fox News. And we see this tribe in Africa that they mention near the southern equator, right? And this, this tribe is kind of in the middle of nowhere, And they, just to get fresh water, they are walking two miles to get to the nearest spring, two miles back. It's a four-mile round trip. Think about that. They can't go out to the water fountain. They can't get a bottled water. They can't go over here to the kitchen and get some. They have to walk two miles back there and back just to get fresh water. Food does not just show up in their camp and walk into their camp. They have to go out into the jungle. They have to hunt. Sometimes they have to go eight to ten miles, right, to get out there, walk kill the animal, whatever it might be, carry it on their back, back into camp. And they don't have a sous chef waiting for them to fix the food. 
They can't flip on Food Network and figure out what herbs and spices to put on it. No, they have to put it on the spit. They have to skin it. They have to do the whole thing. Think about that, just to survive into the next day. For supplies, let's say it's 30, 35 miles away. They have to go to the next town to trade and to get supplies. So they walk all that way just for survival. So us as a community, we say, you know what? We're going to pool our resources together, and we're going to do something amazing for this tribe. You know what they need? They need a Land Rover. That's what they need. So we go, this tribe needs a Land Rover, right? So we pull our resources together. We purchase this Land Rover for them. We're feeling good about ourselves. We, we ship it over there to the coast. A few of us fly over there. We drive the Land Rover to the village outside of it. We go and we find the chief. Say, chief, we got this amazing gift for you. The chief comes out. A couple of us get in the back seat. A couple of us in the front seat. Chief's in the passenger side. He's sitting there. First thing we show him, we go, chief, check this out. When it's 108 degrees outside here near the southern equator, check this out. We got air conditioning. We got AC. So we crank the AC down for him to like 72 degrees. He's just like blown away. This is unbelievable. So we say, even better, check this out. When it's 40 degrees outside, 32 degrees outside, you can turn the heat up to a balmy 75 degrees. He's like, are you kidding me? This is unbelievable. So then we show him the XM satellite radio. And we say, turn it on. And we say, you can listen to any of your programs around the world. Because you know he's probably listening to all kinds of programs. So then we flip down the DVD screen, HD. We, we say, check this movie out. HD quality, the colors, he's just blown away. He's getting excited. He's amazed. Last thing, we pop in a worship CD, Little Hillsong United or something. Obviously in his native tongue. And he is just loving life, Right? So that we get out of this land road, we say, chief, this is, this is for you. This is your gift. He says, can I do anything for you? No. This is a free gift. We love you. This is yours. Da, da, da. Okay, so fast forward six months past this. We go, we want to check in on this tribe, right? So a few of us get on a plane. We take off. We go back over. And to our dismay, our shock, we look at this land rover and we see it sitting there. And guess what? There's weeds growing around it. You know the deal. All around the grass growing up, it has not been moved one inch. But guess who's inside the Land Rover, the chief? He's hanging out in the Land Rover, listening to some music, listening to a little BBC, listening to a little uh, a movie. He's got the AC cranked. He's loving life. But that Land Rover has not moved. And we still see all the tribes, people, they're still walking four-mile round trip to get water. They're still walking out to the jungle. They're carrying these things back, this heavy load. I think you know where I'm going with this. We failed to tell them the number one purpose and priority of why we gifted them with this Land Rover, which is what? Transportation. So they wouldn't have to go 35 miles in a town walk. So they could drive to get fresh water and carry it back and forth. The, the main purpose and priority of this Land Rover was so they could not have to carry the load. So it would transport them. We told them every single thing else, which is amazing. AC is amazing. The heat's amazing. The, the movie players, the XM satellite's amazing. But they were still walking and not tapping into the fact that this would carry the load for them, this transportation. Point being, salvation, unbelievable. God's forgiveness, amazing. His unmerited gift. But also, you and I are empowered by God's grace to live as Christ lived. 
as Romans 5, 17 says. It says, we are to rule in this life through Jesus Christ. Not some future in heaven, which will happen one day. No, he says, right now. In the message, it calls you and I kings and queens. We are to be influencers, to impact, to affect our sphere of influence and those around us. And I believe that when you and I know the truth, what happens? As the word says, the truth sets us free. But if we don't know the truth, how can the truth set us free? One of those truths being we are empowered to live as Jesus Christ lives. He's given us all the essential qualities and characteristics and his fullness and his abundance for you and I, no matter what we face, no matter what we're looking at, no matter what giant, no matter what obstacle it is, we can tap into that power. And I believe we will begin to do what? Behave accordingly. I remember being in middle school. I was 5'2". I played on my middle school basketball team. I did not even start. I didn't start on my middle school basketball team. And, you know, I was a mediocre player at best. Had fun playing. But I remember the summer going into my freshman year, there was a gentleman in the area that was all about basketball camps, well-known, and he came up to me in the summer. He said, Nate, I just talked to the junior varsity basketball coach, the JV coach. Guess who he said he was most excited about having on his team this coming year? I said, who? He said, you. I'm like, me? Now, still to this day, I have no idea why he would say that. Again, I did not even start on my middle school team. But you better believe Because he said those words, I began to behave accordingly. I began to step my game up. I went to a whole nother level in my game, even though when I showed up as a freshman, I was still 5'2". I hadn't grown at all. But if you can believe it, I went to not starting in middle school to being the only freshman starter my freshman year on my JV team, and we won the state championship that year. Now, the reason I tell that story is because I don't think I would have ever started. I would have ridden the bench. Had I not gotten those words of, hey, man, I believe in you. This is kind of who you are, right? And then I began to to own that. And that's what I'm talking about with the grace of God that empowers us to go beyond. Now, let me end this morning with a couple of things. One of my favorite verses, Ephesians 3.20, God is able to do exceedingly, we all know it, and abundantly above Anything you and I could ever hope or imagine. Beyond our wildest dreams. Our God is able to do beyond whatever our minds can imagine. Our ingenuity, our talent. He takes good, makes it great. Takes mediocre, makes it amazing. As John 10 10 says, he came to give us an incredible life. That's what he has to offer us. But the key part is that first part of that verse, Ephesians 3.20. God is able what does that mean? That means he's not going to force it upon us, does it? It doesn't mean he hits us over the head. It doesn't mean he goes, you, I'm giving you this. He's like, no, I'm offering you this. He's able to do this. But it's up to us, right, to receive. And how much are you and I willing to receive? Are we showing up with a little container and saying, hey, God, fill up, fill up this container with grace. That's all I can handle. Are we showing up with a, a pickup truck and saying, fill up the back of this pickup truck with all of your grace? I want to receive it. Uh, A room this big right here, fill this room up with your grace, which is amazing. Or are we saying, hey, give me an unlimited supply of your grace, which he will do on a continual basis to where we are continually overflowing. Where we do not grow stagnant. We don't hold it. We don't keep it. 
everybody we come in contact with and rub into, we overflow with God's goodness and his power and his grace, his essential qualities and characteristics. God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above anything you and I could ever hope, imagine, or dream. But it's up to us. Are we going to receive all that he wants to offer? And believe me, he wants to do it for every single one of us, as we know. 1 Corinthians, his power is made perfect in our weakness. What does the word weakness mean? It means in our inability. When we are unable, remember, grace is God's free gift that gives you and I the ability to go beyond our natural ability. It's not by our power. It's not by our might. It's not our strength. It's not how great we think we are or how talented we might be. It's one thing and one thing only. It's his spirit, his grace working in and through us that gives us that power. And guess what? He gets all the credit, doesn't he? Because God does not share the glory with anybody, does he? And how amazing is that? As David stood up and said, all of heaven will back me up. If God is for me, who can be against me? When he defeated the enemy, who got the glory? God got all the credit. He couldn't take credit for that defeat. He could say, God, I give you all the credit. There's no way I could do that in my own natural strength and ability. And that is for every single one of us. How amazing is that to be able to tap in to the fact that his grace is sufficient to meet all of our needs. His grace is sufficient to meet all of our needs according to his riches that he gives us. He gives us the power to do it. So I always love, you know, my dad was a pastor growing up in church, going to youth camps, all these different things. I remember often coming home on Sunday mornings and saying, man, that was, that was great. That was a great word, great message, right? But how do I apply that? How is that tangible in my life? What do I do with that this week? It all sounds great. I'm all for it. Sign me up for it, but what do I do? And I remember talking to my mom many, many times and saying, mom, like, oh, that's great, but what do I do? How do I, how do I take that and apply it to my life this week? So I like to have, as we walk away from place this morning there's three tangible things number one we stand firm no matter what the trial no matter what the test no matter what it is nothing can shake us we cannot be moved when we are what as we began with this morning when we are relentless when we are unyielding in our faith not our strength our faith our hope and our obedience in God when we are relentless. So no matter what it is this morning, because all of us walked in here with something, right? Whether big or small or something we're believing for or hoping for or having, having our faith and trust put in God and believe, no matter what it is, we say, listen, God's timing is always perfect. He's never early. He's never late. He's always right on time, right? And I know he's going to give me the necessary tools and equip me with what I need to overcome, to be victorious, and to never give up. So number one, we can stand through any test, any trial, because we know who we stand on. We know who that foundation is. Number two, by doing that, what happens? We develop a history of God's faithfulness. And that's what I love. We develop a history of God's faithfulness. That means that you and I, have put our trust in him over and over and over again. He's come through every single time. It might not look the way we thought it would look, but he has come through every single 
time. And he's able to go above and beyond what you and I could ever hope or imagine. We stand through every test, through every trial. We develop a history of God's faithfulness. And then my favorite thing is this. We can call what is not yet as if it were. Now, that's an interesting statement. Think about that. We can call what is not yet, and we can believe and we can pray for what is not yet as if it were. Now, why can we do that? That sounds kind of interesting, doesn't it? It sounds like, look, look. That's, that's kind of strange when you take it at face value. I'm going to call what is not yet as if it were. Let me tell you why we can do that. Because when we delight ourselves in the Lord, he does what? He gives us the desires of our hearts, which are the desires of his heart. Then we are in proper alignment, aren't we, with his desires. His desires are our desires. Our desires are his desires. He has a future plan and hope for every single one of us every single day. He knows our steps. Their steps are ordered. And therefore, he's put things in our hearts, things in our souls, our spirits. And we can begin to do what? Believe for them in prayer. Call what is not yet out as if it were. That's what I do every single morning. The things that I am believing for, I call them out. I say, God, you have put this desire in my heart. I am believing for this. And instead of being passive, I'm going to be relentless. I'm going to be unyielding in my faith, my hope my obedience to you. Because here's what I know, and here's what you know, that God makes a way, right, where there seems to be no way. We can only see this right here. I can only see to the back of that door. I see that door. That's as far as I can see in my natural eyes. He sees everything. He's able to make a way where there seems to be no way. He's able to give us a peace that passes all of our understanding. He's able to equip us with what is necessary to see us through to overcome and be victorious and to never give up no matter what it is we're facing. Not at some future date, right now, today. So that we can rule in this life through Christ, as Romans 5, 17 says. So that his power can be perfected in us through our inability and our weakness. And so that we can impact and influence and affect our sphere of influence and all those we come in contact with. Why? I don't know about you, because I, but I want to be completely open. I want to open my heart. I want to open my mind every single day. And I want to go, God, your word says this, that you are able to do exceedingly and abundantly above anything that I can think or imagine in my mind. So you better believe I want to tap into that power source and say, the God of the universe, the creator of, the, of creation, the one who holds our future in his hands, just said, I'm going to do above and beyond. I'm going to take good and make it great. As John 10, 10 says, I've come to give you what? An amazing, incredible, abundant life. All right? So be encouraged this morning. As we end, if there's one thing that you take from this place. I know there's a lot been said. I know that usually on a Sunday morning, I take one or two things. And I try to lock them in, get them deeply rooted so that I can take them and be, be tangible. If there's one thing, it's this. It's that God's grace gives us the ability to go beyond our natural ability. His power is made perfect in our weakness. He gives us his essential qualities to be relentless and unyielding so that nothing can shake us, nothing can move us. And then we do what? We have an amazing God story. Amazing God story. We say, check this out. Check out what God did. And let me tell you something, that develops a history of God's faithfulness, and it develops faith and trust and encouragement in others and everybody we come in contact with. 
Isn't that awesome? So I'm going to pray this morning in closing. Thank you so much once again for allowing me the opportunity to, to speak this morning. I'm not going to sing a song. We're not going to end in worship, I should say, simply because I don't want to do a little twist and turn that mic on and make another awkward transition. That's the reason. So let's close in prayer this morning. God bless you. Take that with you. God's grace. Meditate on John 1.16. Out of his fullness, out of his abundance, we have received grace, his power, to live in this life as he lived. God, we thank you so much this morning for your goodness. We thank you for another opportunity again to, to come into your presence, to open your word, which is alive and well, living, breathing, active. God, I, I pray that all of our hearts would have been open this morning. You would have planted that seed deep, that would be deeply rooted, that we could walk in your abundance, your grace, your power, all that you have given us to influence, to impact, to face whatever it is we're facing on a, on a daily basis. Stay plugged in to you, God. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for all that you offer us. And we give you all the glory this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.